Today's podcast comes from Sunday the 19th of September. Good evening everyone who's uh, watching uh, this evening. Uh, I'm just going to have a, a short um, time of worship uh, this evening. I do apologise, I've not been able to um, do any online uh, services for a number of weeks now uh, due to just some other commitments um, I've had uh, over the past wee while. Um, so I hope to be able to resume these services uh, hopefully on a Sunday evening and um, they will perhaps be a wee bit shorter than maybe we've had in the past um, but there will be, be some uh, worship music, time for prayer and a, a short message uh, as well uh, and a reading from God's Word. Um, so a warm welcome to everyone watching uh, this evening wherever you are tonight and I'm just going to open uh, with a prayer. So if you're watching at home or wherever you're listening, for those on telephone, uh, we're just going to gather together in prayer. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we ask you your blessing upon each person listening and watching to this service tonight. We gather as your people with all your people around the world to bring our worship, our praise and thanksgiving to you, our Lord, our Creator, our God, the one who made us, the one who made this universe and everything within it. God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Lord, we thank you that you are a, a Father in heaven who watches over us, our Shepherd and our King. We thank you for Jesus, your Son, God the Son, who became God in human flesh, who lived on this earth and gave up his life for us on the cross so that we might have the forgiveness of sins. We thank you that Jesus rose again from the dead, that we might have everlasting life and that he sits at the right hand of the Father in heaven. We thank you for God, the Holy Spirit, who is here and with each one of us now. God who indwells his people. Lord, I pray that you would pour out your Holy Spirit upon us again tonight. Be in our praises, be in our worship, fill our hearts with your joy, with your peace. Draw us closer to yourself. Open the scriptures to us. And Lord, direct us always to Jesus, your Son. And as we pray together tonight, we just set aside the, the cares and worries of the day, not to ignore them, but to bring them to the feet of the Lord. So Lord, we bring all our cares, all the things we are anxious about, family, friends, health, employment, what's going on in the world at the moment. Lord, we bring all of these things to you tonight. And Lord, we pray that in these moments that you would bring peace to our souls, bring peace to our hearts. And yet at the same time that your Holy Spirit would stir us up, stir us up to be challenged through your word. To follow Jesus, to be better disciples, to love you even more 
with all of our heart, soul, mind and strength and to love our neighbour, to love the people around us with the love that Jesus has shown to us. And so Lord bless this time of worship and as we pray together the prayer that Jesus taught his first disciples we say our Father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom the power and the glory forever Amen so I'm going to uh, play a hymn just now and feel free to sing along. Um, it's How Great Thou Art. Oh Lord my God, when I in awesome one Consider all the works thy hands have made I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder Thy power throughout the universe displayed Then sings my soul, my Savior God to how great thou art, how great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art. Far as glades I wander And hear the birds Sing sweetly in the trees When I look down From lofty mountain grandeur And see the blue And feel the gentle then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great thou art, oh, how great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great thou art, how great. God, his son, that's bearing, sent him to die, I scarce can take it in. That on the cross, my burden gladly bearing, he bled and died to take away sings my soul 
my Savior God to thee How great thou art How great thou art Then sings my soul My Savior God to thee How great thou art How great thou art Okay, our reading from the scriptures tonight is from the book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles in the New Testament. And uh, I'm going to be reading from chapter 14 and verse 8. Um, some of you may have been following some of the messages over the, the first part of the summer and I was working my way through the book of Acts. We've jumped over a couple of chapters. I'm now in chapter 14. And this is story is about Paul and Barnabas. Uh, Paul the Apostle and his companion Barnabas are visiting the city of Lystra, which at that time was in Greece and today it's in modern day uh, Turkey. It says, in Lystra there sat a man crippled in his feet who was lame from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul as he was speaking and Paul looked directly at him, saw that he had faith to be healed and called out, stand up on your feet. At that the man jumped up and began to walk. When the crowd saw what Paul had done, they shouted in the Lyconian language, the gods have come down to us in human form. Barnabas they called Zeus, and Paul they called Hermes, because he was the chief speaker. The priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the city, brought bulls and wreaths to the city gates, because he and the crowd wanted to offer sacrifices to them. When the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of this, they tore their clothes and rushed out into the crowd, shouting, Men, why are you doing this? We too are only men, human, like you. And we are bringing you good news, telling you to turn from these worthless things to the living God, who made heaven and earth and sea and everything in them. In the past he let all nations go their own way, and yet he has not left himself without testimony. He has shown kindness by giving you rain from heaven and crops in their seasons. He provides you with plenty of food and fills your hearts with joy. And even with these words, they had difficulty keeping the crowd from sacrificing to them. And then some Jews from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowd over. They stoned Paul and dragged him outside the city, thinking he was dead. But after the disciples had gathered round him, he got up went back into the city. The next day he and Barnabas left for Derby. Let's pray. Lord, as we open the scriptures together, we pray that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit to help us to have our ears open to hear your word, that you would help us to understand with our minds, you would soften our hearts to enable us to receive your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we have this story that we have just read about the Apostle Paul and his companion Barnabas. And they're visiting the city of Lystra, which, although it had a small Jewish population, it was largely a pagan city um, at that time. 
and we're told in the story there's a, a temple of Zeus, a pagan temple, is just outside the city walls. And if we're trying to understand what is really going on in this story and what we can learn from it, there's one theme that runs right through this passage. And it's the theme of idolatry. Idolatry is the, the worship of idols. An idol is a, the word literally means an empty vessel. It's like a bottle that has nothing in it. Um, in the sense that people would set up statues to represent a god and would worship that um, rather than the, the god who's unseen. Uh, the God who made the heavens and the earth and the universe. So it's in that sense, I'm using the, the word idolatry. And that's really the heart of the, the issue of what both Paul and Barnabas are facing here. And for us who living in the 21st century, we may at first think, well, what does that have to do with me? We maybe feel a little bit disconnected from this story. And part of that might be, despite what, what some people may think, our modern culture, even in 21st century Scotland and Britain, is built upon a Christian foundation that has been here for 1500 years. Even those who say that you know they don't believe in God um, share far more values with Christians than they do with ancient Romans and Greeks. Many people don't realise it because we have inherited a Christian civilization, a Christian foundation. And so there's perhaps bits of this story that we, we find difficult to identify with because we're trying to think in our own mind, well, where is the idolatry? But as we'll see in this story, idolatry is actually something that goes deep into the human heart. It's there in every single one of us. And we all have a potential to make idols instead of God. We all have a, a tendency towards this in various different ways. And we'll see this as we look um, at this story. Um, and we can perhaps think of ourselves as very sophisticated. Um, we have amazing technology in the, the era that we happen to live in. And yet we have the same tendency to worship idols as much as a person living 2,000, 4,000, 10,000 years ago. Human, human beings haven't changed eh, very much. Um, so we have Paul and Barnabas in this city and they're there to preach the good news of Jesus. And when they preach as happened with many of the apostles, especially in the book of Acts, their preaching was accompanied by great signs and wonders as they are described, great miracles, to attest to the truth of the message that they're preaching. And here in this story, we're told about the, this man who couldn't walk. And it says there, Paul looked directly at him, saw that he had faith to be healed and called out, Stand up on your feet. And at that, the man jumped up and began to walk. It's an amazing miracle. And the reaction of the crowd actually tells us that what must have happened must have been extraordinary. 
because we have almost an entire city, including the priest of Zeus, who served in the, the temple outside the city walls, have all come to find Paul and Barnabas and to worship them and to offer sacrifices to them as though they themselves were gods. And so this is the, the this miracle has caused a great commotion in the city. And Paul and Barnabas are taken aback by this. This is not the the kind of reaction that they were expecting. And then we see um, what happens next. Paul and Barnabas, sorry, so Paul and Barnabas are mistaken for Zeus and Hermes, the Greek gods. That picture in the background there is the temple of Zeus on Mount Olympus in Greece. The temple in Lystra may have been a smaller version of that. It would perhaps certainly have looked a little bit similar. And uh, Zeus was the father of all the gods in the Greek thinking, and Hermes was the messenger of the gods. Uh, always been puzzled here, at least to begin with, why they associated Barnabas with Zeus and Paul with Hermes, because Zeus was the chief of the gods, but I think it was because Paul was the one who did all the talking. Hermes was seen as the the one who took the message of the gods to people on earth. And it's interesting what, what they say. They say that the gods have become human beings among us. The irony of that is that Paul and Barnabas had come to preach about God in heaven becoming a human being among us in Jesus Christ. But they thought Paul and Barnabas themselves were God or gods in human form. Verse 14 it says, But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of this, they tore their clothes and rushed out into the crowd shouting, Men, why are you doing this? We too are only men. So why did Paul and Barnabas have this strange reaction, tearing their clothes? Well, we see a couple of similar uh, reactions in both the Gospels and some of the Old Testament as well, that when Jesus was put on trial before the Jewish council, before he was crucified, Jesus had to appear before the high priest of Jerusalem. And the high priest asks him directly, are you the Christ? In one version of the Gospels, it says that Jesus replied, I am. I am who I am, or I am is the divine name of God, of Yahweh. And to many Jews, it was considered so holy, you couldn't even say the name. For Jesus to say it, and at the same time, acknowledging that he is God in the flesh, was seen by many who were present to be the most blasphemous thing that they had ever heard. Is a human being claiming to be God? And when the chief priest heard those words of Jesus, he got his cloak and he tore it apart from top to bottom. That was a sign of grief, a sign of anger, perhaps as well. 
that God, at least in his mind, had been blasphemed. And so the response of Paul and Barnabas in tearing their clothes, tearing their coats apart, and then rushing out to the crowd, shouting, saying, why are you doing this? We are only men. It's because they are so grieved that people would mistake them for gods or God. That to them this was blasphemy. It was, it was the worst blasphemy. And so Paul and Barnabas are, are upset by this. And they try and direct the people in a different way. And this is what uh, they do. Sorry. Um, they tell the people to look to God, to look to Jesus Christ. A true man or woman of God never points to themselves or says, look at me, or it's all about me. A true prophet or a true person of God never says that. They're always saying, look to God, look to Jesus Christ. That's how you tell a true prophet or a false prophet. And some examples of that today, maybe some of you have Sky or digital TV um, and you've seen some of the religious TV stations. One or two are maybe okay, but the vast majority of them are pretty bad. Um, many of them claiming to proclaim the Christian gospel. But the message they're actually proclaiming is far from the true gospel or the gospel of the Bible. Well, the message is, come to Jesus and you'll be rich. Or wealth is a sign that God is pleased with you. Um, send us $20, $50, $100, and we'll send you out this healing cloth that will make you well. You'll, you'll, you'll receive a miracle if you send us money. And that's still going on to this very day. And it's been going on for the last 20, 30, 40 years on television, unfortunately. And there's one thing in common with all of these people is that they they put themselves at the centre of everything they're doing. All the money comes to them. They're not pointing people to Jesus Christ. If you ask these people, would, would they do what they do for no money at all? Would they do it for nothing? I very much doubt it. A true preacher, a true man or woman of God true disciple of Jesus will always point people to him, to Jesus Christ, and point them away from themselves. And that's exactly what Paul and Barnabas do. They point people away from themselves and to God. This is what they say. Verse 15, we are bringing you good news, telling you to turn from these worthless things to the living God who made heaven and earth and see and everything in them. See, instead of worshipping the God who made the world around us, they were worshipping things in the world. There's a statue of Zeus there on the screen. I have doctored this one <laughs> and put an X over Zeus's face. But the reason that the Christians and Jews um, the Ten Commandments tell us that we are not to make graven images of God 
and worship those things. Uh, we're we're for, forbidden from doing that. Uh, and the, in the Temple of Zeus, there would have been a statue, probably something like that, with a representation of the Greek god Zeus within it. And to Paul and Barnabas, the the representation of Zeus was um, seen as an affront to God. It was a, a violation of God's commandments. But what was even worse for them was the idea that people would think that they themselves were gods. And they've come with the good news, the good news of Jesus. Good news, the word gospel means good news. And they were telling them to turn away from these worthless things. Um, the word idol literally means an empty, worthless vessel, like a, a bottle or a vase. There's nothing in it. So to turn away from worth, worthless things to the living God, who made heaven and earth and sea and everything in them. Now, we might think, well, I don't know many people who maybe worship Zeus today. Um, perhaps there are there are some. There's certainly a, a pantheon of different gods that are still worshipped around the world today. But in the Western world, where we perhaps think of ourselves as sophisticated, we have our own modern idols. Some of those things could be material possessions, wealth, money, Relationships, careers, hobbies, status, could be animals, the world around us, uh, could be all sorts of things, things that we have even thought up in our own imaginations. The fact is that there's something in the human heart that causes us to Try and worship anything else but the God who made us. That's what idolatry is. John Calvin, the famous Protestant reformer, um, once said, the human heart is a factory of idols. How true that is. We see in the story of the nation of Israel, they had a constant desire within them to, to want to worship other gods, to go after other gods, and forget the God of Israel who brought them into the promised land through Abraham, who brought them out of slavery in Egypt through Moses, God who sent countless prophets to them to call them away from idols and call them back to God. And it's not just the nation of Israel, it's in all of us. Where we will worship anything other than worship the God who made us. And if we think, well, I would, I would never do that. Um, I would never allow something else to come in the way of God. I think, I think we all have to have a, a close look at ourselves, myself included, that we are not deceived, that we're not allowing our heart to deceive us as well, and that we're not allowing something else to come into our lives that is taking the place of God because that's what idolatry is 
no matter what it is, if it's money, possessions, relationships, job, career, hobbies, if that thing is number one in our lives, then that has become our God. Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus said the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. And the second commandment is this, to love your neighbour as yourself. If you love anything in this world more than the God who created us, then that has become a God. And that's something that we all we can all have a tendency to do. Things that will draw us away from our Creator. In verse 17, Paul says to the crowd, he says, Yet he, God, has not left himself without testimony. He has shown kindness by giving you rain from heaven and crops in their seasons. He provides you with plenty of food and fills your hearts with joy. This is something that people call common grace. And it's the idea that God shows kindness to all the people of the world regardless of beliefs, regardless of religion, regardless of whether people are good or bad, all the people of the world are blessed by a common grace that we all share. The, the rain falls on the earth, the sun comes up every morning in the east, it sets in the west. Gravity holds us on this planet every day 365 days in the year. The seasons never change, they're the same every year. There's a, a canopy around the planet Earth that protects us from ultraviolet radiation from the sun, that's God's common grace. We have just the right levels of oxygen, carbon dioxide, nitrogen, other elements in our atmosphere to sustain human and animal life. That's God's common grace. And all of these things around us, the things on the earth, the things in the sky, the things in space, throughout history have been the very things that people have wanted to worship instead of the God who made them. And Paul here is reminding them that these things around us are actually pointing us to the Creator. They're pointing us to God. They're not to be worshipped, but they're pointing us to the one that we are called to worship. When we think of the this world that we live in, we are one planet among many that orbits around our sun, a single star. And our sun is only one of over 100 billion stars in the galaxy that we live in. And many of those stars have multiple planets orbiting around them, as far as we know. And outside our galaxy, it's reckoned there are 100 million galaxies, at least, that we can see. The human brain can't even begin to comprehend that or imagine 
the size of the universe that we live in, the complexity of it. And then when we look inside a single cell, and even down to the level of an atom, the level of complexity inside that atom is as complex as the solar system that we live in, as the galaxy that we live in. It, 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 it is incredible, it is mind-blowing. And we have to ask, what, what kind of God could make all of this? Sometimes our ideas of God are too small, too constrained. When we make God a God out of an idol, it's always going to be much, much smaller than the real God. Because it's going to come out of our imagination, it's going to come out of our own head, our own mind. The true and living God who made the heavens and the earth is far, far bigger and greater and more intelligent than any of us can truly comprehend. There is no comparison between any idol that we can make and the God who made this world. There's a, a little bit of a, a warning at the end of this story because it, it doesn't end on a positive note. And for Paul and Barnabas, they, they actually escaped with their lives. I'm always surprised at the end of this story. It tells us that Paul was, after trying to get away from the, the, the pagans, the Greeks who were there, who wanted to worship them as gods, and they had some of the, the Jews who were there who, want, who tried to stone them to death. Paul goes back into the city the next day. He, he didn't stay very long, but if I was him, I wouldn't have been going back into that city. Paul went back into the city. And in verse 18, it tells us there that even with these words, they had difficulty keeping the crowd from sacrificing to them. You see, there's this continual pull of idols in the human heart. No matter how powerful the testimony of God is around us, the testimony of this universe and his creation, many people will continue to want to create a God in their own image instead of worshipping the God who made the world. And that tug, I think, is in every human heart. There's a continual pull there. And another strange thing about this story is that the people in Lystra were given one of the most powerful miracles that they could have seen. A man who had not walked since birth was miraculously healed and able to walk again. In all their years of worshipping Zeus and going to the temple, they had never seen anything like this. Which is why they thought that Paul and Barnabas were gods. And despite Paul's pleading and Barnabas's pleading, and remember these are two of the greatest preachers in the history of Christianity. And even they could not persuade them not to worship them and not to sacrifice to them must have been a very difficult experience for both Paul and Barnabas. 
and you get a sense of the grief that they feel that the, the people are just not listening. That they're more interested in continuing to, to want to, to see these men as gods rather than worship the God of heaven, the one who made the heavens and the earth. And so what I want to finish with today is that we are careful to look at our own hearts, to be honest about what's going on in our own heart and in our own lives. Are there things in our lives that are drawing us away from God? Are there things in our lives that, are, that we have made into idols? Sometimes this can creep up on us. Very gradually, very slowly, and before we know it, God is way down the order of our priorities. Worshipping God, reading the Bible, praying, it is way down on our list of priorities. And other things have taken this place. And we have to be careful of that. You have to be careful that we're not deceived. And we can deceive ourselves at times as well. And so we need to keep Jesus at the focus of our lives. To look to Jesus. It says in the book of Hebrews, Jesus is the, the beginner and the finisher of our faith. The beginner and the completer of our faith. Of our faith. We want to look to him. To turn away from these things that try and distract us that try and pull us away from God, whether it is material possessions, a job, it can be relationships, it can be hobbies or things that we enjoy. And all of these things are good. They're all good in and of themselves. But when they pull us away from God, then we have a big problem. We're breaking one of the commandments. We're sinning against God. And when we find ourselves in that position, the Bible has one message for us, to stop, to stop going in the direction we're going, to turn around and turn back to God. We pray together. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks and praise for your word to us today. Lord, in this world that is filled with so many distractions, all the things around us that are vying for our attention, whether it's on social media or phones or material possessions or money, jobs and careers, relationships. And all these things are good and these things are all blessings in various ways in our lives. But Lord, help us to guard our hearts that we do not make these things idols, that we do not put them in place of you in our lives. And to realise the great spiritual danger we place ourselves when we put other things in place of the God who made the heavens and the earth. So Lord, help us to look to Jesus, the beginner and the finisher of our faith. In his name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you everyone for watching and listening today. Uh, I'm just going to ask God's blessing on everyone. Hopefully, I'll be able to be here next Sunday. Sometimes 
up until before the summer I tried to find a a fixed time to do these extra online services because I'm, I'm taking two services during the morning and sometimes I can be out on a Sunday afternoon maybe visiting families, arranging funerals and various other things, some time with my own family. It's been very difficult to, to do this. So it may not always happen at the exact same time, uh, maybe a little bit later on a Sunday evening, but if you check on a Sunday evening, you will hopefully be able to, to pick up the service. Okay, I'm going to ask God's blessing. Now may the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be with you all now and always. Amen. So take care, everyone, and hopefully see you all soon. Bye-bye now.